Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Come on, with the baby, with the baby, my man. Uh, hey, good morning, Takeover Church. How you doing? Were we all in the same moment of worship? I asked how you doing. Because I was in that moment of worship, and I got to tell you, worthy, worthy, worthy. Is he not worthy of all the praise that we can muster up right now? All right, then how about we release just the mightiest roar in this place this building has ever felt. One, two, three, praise him. Come on! Man, give it up for our worship crew. That was phenomenal. All the babies love dedicate. Yeah, come on. What a day. What a day. I don't even know what I have left to give. I, I honestly I had no idea. Uh, but this morning, I know the Lord is at work in this place. Have you felt the presence of God this morning? Come on. We're two or more gathered. There he is. And he can do exceedingly above all that we can ask, dream, or imagine according to his Holy Spirit at work in his people. Amen. So who's ready for the word of God this morning? Who loves the Bible this morning? Come on, whose lives are built on a firm foundation? Let's go. Man, I'm reminded this morning of Hebrews. Uh, when Paul, the writer of Hebrews, he says, That which can be shaken, oh, it will be shaken. But that, that which cannot be shaken, shall remain. And I got to tell you, we've seen a lot of shaking over the last uh, 24 months, have we not? But come on, who are the faithful few? Who are the remaining? Who are the remnants in the earth of revival in America? Who is it in the house this morning? Come on. Let's go. That's you. That's me. And we're going to go after this morning. We're continuing our series, Agreements. Hey, who loves the prophet of the house, Zach Kramer, last week? He had a great word. The blood speaks. Fantastic. I know whenever Zach gets up here, gets ready to preach, I have no clue what's going to happen, but I know the Lord's going to show up, and I hope Zach knows what he's talking about. Um, kidding. Zach is the man, and I love him dearly. I love him dearly. But hey, if you've got your Bibles this morning, if you're taking notes, the title of my message is this. You ready? Fan it and guard it. Fan it and guard it. Fan it and guard it. Come on, we're going to the Bible this morning. If you've got your Bibles, you can open up the Second Timothy 1, 3 through 14. If not, it'll be up on the Sky Bible. Hey, give it up for Phil and Kelsey holding it down in the back this morning. AV crew, come on. Can't happen without you. Certainly wouldn't be as good without you, that's for sure. Um, so we appreciate you guys. But 2 Timothy 1, 3 through 14, it'll be up on the Sky Bible behind me. Um, but if you got your leather back, if you got your real Bible, if you got some paper in front of you, you are my favorite people. All right, here we go. Just saying. Bring a Bible next time. You'd be my favorite person too. It's okay. All right, here we go. 3 through 14. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, of faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. I always get her name uh, mispronounced, so I want to make sure I nailed that. Uh, and now, and I'm sure dwells in you as well. For the reason I remind you to fan it into flame. Somebody say fan it. Fan it into flame, the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit not, somebody say not. God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power, love, and self-control. Another translation says sound mind. And there, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not an average calling, not a basic calling, not a mediocre calling, but a what? Holy calling, just make sure you're awake this morning. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and then a teacher. Paul could do it all, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed. Somebody say, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. 
I am convinced that he is able. Somebody say, he is able. He is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow. Somebody say, follow. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard. There's that word again. Somebody say, guard. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Fan it guard it. We're going to pray, and we're going to see what the Lord will do with that. Sound good? All right, fantastic. Father God, right now we just come before you, and we ask, God, that you would begin right now a good work in your people, and that you would be faithful to complete it, Father God. Right now, God, we didn't come for another program. We didn't come for another Sunday. We didn't come for another religious check card. We did not come in to punch into our religious work today, God. No, 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 no. We came for an experience with not a dead God, but a risen God. Not a dead God, but an alive God. We came today, Father, for the God who says, I can pierce so thinly so precisely between bone and marrow, between light and dark, between atoms and corks, between sound and physics. Father, we came for that God. We came for the God that goes beyond the chemistry and goes beyond the physics and goes beyond the math. We came today for the God who goes beyond our reality, who is overseeing our reality, who sits above it all. And we are so grateful that you rest above it all, Jesus. That God, just because our weeks may have been over our heads, God, it is still firmly under your feet. And so, Father God, right now, I just thank you for a faithful church. God, right now we ask, we pray the same prayer that Paul prayed so many times, God. And we say, Father, don't just open up our natural eyes. Don't just open up our natural ears. Don't just open up what is on the inside of us, God. But open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. Like the great 90s worship song says, we want to see you. We want to hear you. We want to believe you. We want to be made like you. We didn't come today to leave the same people we came in as, God. No matter how built up or broken down we feel, no, no, no. We came to the house of God today to leave looking more like Jesus. Sounding more like Jesus. Feeling more like Jesus. Believing more like Jesus. Having faith more like Jesus. So, Father God, let your Holy Spirit come. Come and move inside your people today, Father. We do not accept, in fact, we reject the men and women that we came in as. And we choose to put on Jesus. We choose to put on Jesus. We choose to put on Jesus in Jesus' mighty name. And we will be careful to get out of the way and make sure you get all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Of faith-filled, Holy Spirit-filled, ready to believe the Word of God church said. Amen. Amen. Let's go. Come on. Fan it and guard it. Fan it. And guard it. I'm going to be honest. Tristan, I love your hair. We're going to be honest about that and a bunch of other things. Friends, I kind of feel like a new man. I'm going to be honest. I don't know what it is. I had a really terrible week in the beginning of the week. This is going great. <laughs> Whoa, didn't see that come. I did. It was my own doing. It was my own doing. Got to be honest about that. I had a real bad, like, Monday Tuesday, and then halfway through Wednesday, me and the Lord started figuring some things out, and I got to believe it. Man, I had some healing through some revealing this week. I had some healing through some revealing this week. I feel like today, I'm a new man, man. What the Lord revealed to me through conversations with my wife, through conversations with other people, that man, I have been leading with some open wounds. Now we are a church that loves some scars because scars show that you've been through some things and Jesus has seen you through some things, amen? We love scars because scars have said, God has taken me from this to this. I was broken, I was bleeding, I was beaten, but he healed me and he restored me and he took me out of the muck and the mire and he placed me on solid ground. We love it. But I have been leading with some open wounds. But man, I gotta tell you, now that I see that they are still open. Now that I see what I was working with, how many of you know, you don't gotta be completely put together for the Lord to use you. If you understand the wounds that are still open, you can worship in your open wounds. And no longer do you have to try and be guarded, keep people at bay, but no, 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 you can, you can move in the things of God. You can get closer to God. Friends, I gotta tell you, sometimes suffering 
It's more like a nail being driven into a board. And I got to tell you that when you are suffering, allow yourself to be the nail and to be driven closer and closer into the things of God. And I'll tell you what, he'll do amazing things in your life. So I want to tell you, you got a new pastor today. That's me. Brand new Matt. I'm ready. I am so ready. I feel like I'm going to lead this thing even better. I feel like I'm going to lead Adrienne and I even better. I feel like I'm going to lead myself even better. And so this morning, I'm ready to preach it like I feel it. You ready to go there? Because i got to be honest this morning about a lot of things. Friends, we are not here. We are not here for just another church service. We are not here. I hate that thing. We are not here. It's the dumbest. Stop. Die. In Jesus' name. Hopefully, I wanted it to work. Hate it. Anyways, ignore the at in the back. We're not here for normal church service. I'm not here just to be another pastor. I'm not just here so that we can come and we can sing some songs, that you can get loud behind a preacher, that you can worship loudly, and then we can leave this thing like it's some sort of sporting event in which we are a spectator. Friends, we are not here to spectate. We are here to participate. Amen. We are not spectators. We are participators. We are not on the bench. We are in the game. And if you have not felt like you are in the game, this message is for you. And if you felt like you are in the game, this message is for you. This morning, I got to tell you, West Michigan, I love us. I love West Michigan. But we are in West Michigan, we are not of West Michigan. We are in West Michigan, but we are not of West Michigan. And what I mean by that is this, we ain't here to play church, we're here to be the church. Okay, we're not going to play church on social media, we're going to be the church on social media. We're not going to play church on our dating apps, we're going to be the church on our dating apps. We're, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, we're going to get real this morning. We're not going to play the church in our marriage, we're going to be the church in our marriage. We're not going to play the church at work, we are going to be the church at work. If I preach to anybody this morning, you're not going to go and play the church at the bar, you're going to be the church at the bar. Wherever you find yourself, we're not here for the play play, we're here for the real thing. Because Jesus didn't die for play church, he played for the church. He died for the church, not the play church. This isn't Fisher Price, and this is not imagination. This is reality. And friends, I came to tell you this morning that Jesus, what he went to the cross for, was to invite you and I into the great drama of the universe. Say, what? The great drama of the universe. This is Transformers, okay, friends? There is more than meets the eye. Outside of the reality and realm of which we exist in, there is Jesus outside of our reality, ruling and reigning on high above everything else. And then there is darkness. But you and I are the church, and we are called off the bench and into the game, and we are called to push back darkness and used to establish light. Friends, if we've been coming to church for X amount of time, and maybe you've liked the way I talk, or maybe you like the way we worship, maybe you've been entertained, but you haven't got in the game, then I have failed you. I have failed you. If our experience is simply, I really like the way Matt preaches, but my preaching does not provoke you to action, then I have failed you. I have failed you. I really like the way Amy sings. Well, if Amy's singing is what kept you in church, but has not provoked you to action, I have still failed you. Because, friends, here's the reality. I am interested in discipling people in the ways of Christ. Because the reality is this, you are either being purposely and intentionally discipled in the ways of Christ or you are being unintentionally discipled in the ways of culture. You are either purposely being discipled in the ways of Christ or unintentionally being discipled in the ways of the world. And I got to tell you, as your pastor, I refuse to allow TikTok to disciple you better than me. I refuse for music to disciple you better than me. I refuse for TMZ to disciple you better than me. I refuse for Fox News and CNN and all of them to disciple you better than me. Friends, I am your pastor. I am the shepherd of this house. And I will stand at the gates of our farm and I will beat down some wolves that try to come in. I will feed the sheep and I will tell the goats to go settle down and quit playing around. 
Friends, we're the church. We're the church. Friends, I didn't, I didn't get into ministry. I haven't given my life for this. I haven't laid it all down. I didn't spend all Friday cooking a bunch of food for my most favorite people, the surf crew. Simply so we could, so that we could just live this Christian life on a yacht. This ain't a yacht, this is a tank. This ain't a cruise ship, this is a battleship. We don't pray weak, impotent prayers. No, we throw up Holy Spirit hand grenades into the heavens so that we can see breakthrough rain down in people's lives. Amen? We're not, we, don't, we don't just preach the way we do for the heck of it, but for the heaven of it. We don't just worship the way we do for the heck of it, but for the heaven of it. We don't just believe everything in the Bible for the heck of it, but for the heaven of it. We don't just go the lengths of which we do. We don't just lay our lives down as living sacrifice, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12, for the heck of it, but for the heaven of it. Friends, I didn't come to raise up religious people. I came to raise up a church that would be a problem for the devil. So I got any Christians in the place that want to be a problem for the devil. We came to be a problem for the devil in West Michigan, okay? I don't know what it is. I get there's 500 churches and I love them all, brothers and sisters in Christ. Come at me, I will defend them to the nth degree. We may not agree theologically. We may be off on some things. They might be wrong. I might be wrong. You know what I mean? We all got issues. None of us have perfect theology, but if we're united underneath one name of Jesus, then as far as I'm considered, this is one kingdom, many houses, and we're going to worship how we worship, and they're going to worship how they do. And I'm going to honor and honor and honor and build and build and build. But this church, this house, this room, we're going to be a problem for the devil. I came to make a church that is going to be filled with problems for the devil because we, here's the deal, we live in a time and a place where the world, culture, you know, do you, boo-boo, that whole place, those guys, okay, they're out here going, you're the answer, be the answer. I mean, I've been seeing this stupid hashtag, you're the answer, be the answer, (laughs) shut up. I'm not the answer, you're not the answer. They're certainly not the answer. The answer is Jesus, amen. The answer is Jesus, amen. The answer is Jesus, amen. Amen. And guess what? The devil, the powers of darkness, world, culture, fallen humanity, that's the problem. But you know what Jesus said? Upon this revelation, upon the revelation of Jesus, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So if Jesus is the answer, the world and the devil and the darkness is the problem, then the church is called to be the problem solver. Let me introduce you to the best thing that's ever gonna happen to you. His name's Lord Jesus. Let me tell you about the best thing that's ever happened to me. His name's Lord Jesus. And so friends, I gotta tell you, some of us today, some of us, I'm talking about being such a problem for the devil, being built up to be such a problem for the devil that suddenly you join a new gym, maybe it's Temple Fitness out in Wayland, new location, coming soon. It's worth a drive, kickboxing for the Lord, I love it, getting pieced up for the Lord, three pieces of soda for the Lord, I love it, okay? It's a kickboxing gym, it's gonna be great. Let me tell you, you join a new gym and the devil hates it because it's a problem that you're there. Let me tell you this, you start a new job and the devil hates it. And it's a problem because you're there. Some of us heard about this the last couple of weeks. Some of us, we've had some doors closed on us. Some of it's been in business. Some of it's been in relationships. And guess what, friends? Our God is so able to do whatever he sees fit. Man, if he didn't want you to have the house, you're not going to have the house. If he wants you to have the house, you're going to have the house. If he doesn't want you to have the job, you're not going to have the job. But if he wants you to have the job, you're going to have the job. And for some of us this morning, if he wants you to have the relationship, you'll have the relationship. If he doesn't, you're not. But for some of us this morning, I just felt like it was prophetic to say this to you this morning. Some of you, the door's been closed on you because where God's going to place you is where he's going to make the biggest problem for the devil. He might have closed that door on you because you know what? It would have made the devil mad enough putting you there at this time in this place in this position maybe it wouldn't have made the devil mad enough because here's the deal when God opens a door that no man can shut even yourself 
He puts you in a place where he's going to make the devil mad and you're going to shine brightly before men. Shine brightly before women. Shine brightly before those both belonging to Christ and still far from Christ. Friends, we're going to be a problem for the devil. Amen? If we're going to be a problem for the devil, which is my hope, it's my prayer, friends, God didn't call us to simply live some moral life, did he? Like, I, I firmly believe this. I firmly believe, friends, that you and I, you, you, you see, you're not here by accident. I'm not here by accident. This whole thing, 2022, pandemics and presidential nut stuff, and like the world is in chaos, and, there, and there's a war in the East, and like there's all these things going on, right? Like it is a mess out there. It is dark out there. Would you agree? It's dark. But you and I, friends, let me lay the foundation real quick. You and I, hey, 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 if God wanted you in World War II, you would have been born in the 40s. If God wanted you in the 1900s, you would have been born in 1900. If God wanted you, someone's like, I was born in the 1900s. Anyways, uh, if God wanted you in the 70s, if he wanted you in the 1800s, if he wanted you in 1883, most depressing show of all time, if, if you, if the Lord wanted you, during the early church with the monastic mothers and fathers who preserved the gospel and ran out into the desert to simply keep it from Constantine, the one Christian Caesar at the time in Rome, from polluting the gospel. If he wanted you with them, he would have had you with them. But guess what? Newsflash. He birthed you for such a time as this. You and I, we're here. Not to shrink back from here. Not to simply be a moral image here, although morality is obviously a part of being a Christian. One guy. We're not simply here to exist or to have some religious ceremony. We don't just dedicate babies for the heck of it, but for the heaven of it. Friends, you and I, we were made for such a time as this because the Lord has birthed you for such a time as this. Why that is, only he will truly know. But I can tell you this, you will find out when you begin to fan into flame the deposit the Lord has placed on the inside of you. Friends, if we're ever going to be a problem for the devil, if we're ever going to throw up more than weak, impotent prayers that make others feel good but don't actually shake heaven loose, friends, the Bible tells us that when the righteous pray, it is both powerful and effective. Jesus said that you have the power to bind things in heaven and loose things in the earth. So we don't throw up weak, impotent prayers, Lord, if you would. No, we say, Lord, your word says, and we chuck a grenade up to heaven and we expect breakthrough to rain out. That's who we are. Fire in the hole, mommy. Fire in the situation, fire in the healing, fire in wherever you got to throw that hand grenade. But you make sure the Lord is hearing you. So much so that the prophet Isaiah said, Father, would you not just rind, rind and rend open the heavens? He said, rip it open violently is what that word means in Isaiah. Rend open the heavens. That's the kind of church that we are dedicated to being. But if we're ever going to see that achieved, not just here, but here, then we have got to begin by fanning the flame that has been deposited to us. So how do we do that, Pastor Matt? Pastor me, Pastor Matt, how do we do this? Okay, here we go. I love this verse because I love Paul. You all know that I love Paul by now, right? Okay, but I also love Timothy. Timothy's the man. I think Timmy is the coolest, like, young cat in the Bible. What you got to know is this. Is see, Paul is basically Timothy's spiritual father. Basically, Timothy comes along, and, and he begins to believe in Jesus because of Paul. And so Paul begins to raise him up. He is mini Paul. He is someone that Paul is stewarding, that Paul is learning to preach, that he is just bringing up alongside of him, taking him on trips, doing all these things. Timothy is mini Paul. He's this guy. So much so that y'all read the book of Ephesians? Okay, it's in Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey. And there's a bunch of Diana worship and some crazy stuff going on there. It's real good. You should read the book of Ephesus, okay? Timothy would go on. Right now, when, he, when Paul is writing this, Timothy is actually the lead pastor of Ephesus. Did you know that? How cool is that? So you see Paul leading Ephesus. Here's his letters. Here's his stuff. Put on the whole armor of God. You are set apart. Here's what a bondservant and a husband and a wife and all these people look like. And then he's writing to the new lead pastor, 
of Ephesus. And so that's the context here, is that Paul is saying to Timothy all these things. And, and I love this because how he starts this out is very interesting to me. As he starts off this portion of the letter, he says, I'm grateful for the great faith in you that you inherited. And he starts talking about how you had this deposited flame, this spark, this coal that was placed on the inside of you. And it comes from way of, of your great faith of your grandmother and uh, Lois and your mother Eunice. And he starts talking about these things. And here's the part where Christians, here's the part where we tune out. Here's the part where we hear about this deposit, this flame, this action that we need to begin to spur on ourselves, spur on the fire on the inside of us. That God gave us something because we hear it and we meet Jesus and we go into salvation and we're like, yes, Lord, yes. And then all of a sudden Paul says, just like your great-grandmother and just like your great-mother and all of this. And for a lot of us, we start to check out here and we start to disqualify ourselves from this deposit. You see, most people, most people, it's not that you don't want to fan in the flame the thing that God has entrusted you with. It's not that you don't want to do that. It's that for a lot of us, we'll hear this verse and we'll disqualify ourselves from it. We'll disconnect from it immediately. It might be an open wound in our lives where we start hearing family and we go, oh, that must not be for me. Well, I, sounds like Timothy really comes from good ilk. It sounds like Timothy's got good roots. It sounds like his, his mother and his grandmother were just full of faith. You know, and I'm not a, I don't come from faith. I don't come from put together. I don't come from churchgoers. I don't come from faithful to Jesus kind of parents or grandparents. In fact, as far back as I can trace, nobody in my family has ever loved the Lord before. So this must not be for me. And for a lot of us, we'll hear this portion of scripture and we will push back and we will disqualify and we will discount what, what Paul is saying because we don't come from the quote unquote perfect family unit. Let me pastor you for a second. Friends, Timothy doesn't come from the perfect family unit. Because in this day and age, if Paul was giving a qualifier for this whole portion of scripture, that you had to come from the perfect family unit that loves Jesus, and, and it goes back, and all of your roots are from Jesus, and you've been Jesus, Jesus, Jesus since you were born. One, Jesus wasn't even on the earth that long before this, so that's impossible. Uh, two, if, if, if Paul had a prerequisite for what he was telling Timothy in this scripture here, well, then even Timothy wouldn't make it in because contextually at the time and culturally at the time and all these things, Paul would have been talking about the great-grandparents he comes from, both grandmother and grandfather. And then he would have been talking about both great-mother and great-father. There would have been both happening here. And so what's interesting and what you and I need to know is that there's one thing that I understand, and the more you come to church here, the more you're going to hear about this from me, because Lord knows I didn't come from this. I got saved radically at 16. We're not here to live morally. We're here to live radically. Amen? I got radically saved at 16. I didn't come from scripture people. I didn't come from Jesus people. I didn't come from Christians. I didn't come from church. I came from alcohol abuse drug abuse, physical abuse, some other abuses. I came from terrible, terrible situations for the first 15, 16 years of my life. And before that, my parents, same situation on both sides. And their grandparents, my grandparents, same situation on both sides. And as far back as I can trace, same thing. Let me tell you this. What I know about fatherlessness is that whether you've had a great paternal father or a sucky paternal father, a Christian paternal father, or a bad paternal father, or maybe you've had a downright horrific paternal father, or maybe you've had a completely absent father. And maybe for you, you've never up until this moment even had this idea or understanding of what a spiritual father could even look like. What I know about fatherlessness is that it plagues and it eats away at, and it completely mars how we see our heavenly father. Fatherlessness in the earth, whether it's paternal or spiritual father, fatherlessness will blind us to our heavenly father, will ruin the image of our heavenly father, and will actually hinder our ability to receive love from our heavenly father because we've had poor fathership here. Maybe for some of us we've had lack thereof. 
Maybe some of us, we've had incredibly abusive. And suddenly what I know about fatherlessness is this, is that we will begin to interpret our heavenly father through our earthly father or lack thereof father. Even our, spiritually fa- our spiritual fathers, pastors, leaders, people who came alongside you as a young person in a youth group, whatever it may be, they're still imperfect, but their job was to point you up to perfect. And so what I can tell you is this. I don't know where grandpa timothy was and father timothy was i don't know where they were they're were mia for some reason though right maybe at this time they might have died in war maybe they were off to war maybe they were sick and died at a young age maybe they didn't value their spouse or value their kids maybe they were never married in the first place i don't know the bible isn't clear on what timothy's entire paternal history is but what i do know is that they were mia they are missing he comes from great faith from his grandmother and his mother, and that a perfect family unit does not disqualify or lack thereof, disqualify you or discount God's promises to you. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I felt like that was needed to be made very clear this morning, that fatherlessness, come on, we have got to grow. We have got to get with some people. We've got to pray about these things. We've got to get some healing on the inside because I'm telling you, your father, God, this was what I needed as a young man as well. Your father in heaven is so much more greater than your father or lack thereof in the earth. And he has greater plans for you. He has mighty plans for you. And it all starts when you begin to fan into flame that deposit that God has placed on the inside of you. So don't let your, don't let your past, family, friends, circumstances, decisions, choices, consequences, don't let your past if Jesus on the cross has already said father forgive them for they know not what they do and then he finished it up by saying it was finished and God ripped open the veil from the top down and he made a way where there was previously no way for you and I to have a relationship with him if God has gotten past your past it's time that you get past your past my can your pastor tell you about your past and how you need to leave it behind I'm telling you, there are things that the Lord wants to redeem, that he wants to rescue, that he wants to secure, that he wants to bring purpose to in your past. But the rest of it, you need to unhitch from it because it can't come with you into your future. It will hinder your ability to fan into flame your deposit. So I love this. I love this, right? Because here's Paul and he's talking to Timothy. And he loves Timothy, and he's told him all the business. He's come alongside Timothy for so long. And he's like, dude, I've given you everything I have. I've prepared you in all the ways, and here's the deal. You have the responsibility to fan your faith into flame. You, Timothy, you have it. You know what's important about this to realize? Even Paul, the great apostle, oversaw all these churches, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, amazing man of God, ends up being martyred for his faith, right? Paul's the man, love him. Even Paul, greatest pastor of them all besides Jesus, couldn't fan his person's faith into a flame for him. You know what that tells me is that your pastor can't do it for you. I can't do it for you, I'm gonna be honest. What that tells me is that your pastor doesn't have the pastoral responsibility to fan into flame the deposit on the inside of you. No, no, no. You have the personal responsibility to fan into flame the deposit the Lord has entrusted you with. You do. I can't do it for you. If Paul couldn't do it for Timothy, I certainly can't do it for you. Friends, what I love next, because you got to get this today. Friends, this is some pastoring stuff that if we leave here today, this is a major key to our faith. If we leave here today, you will be a problem for the devil. You will be a problem for culture. You will be a problem for the world at large. You will be a problem for the kingdom of darkness and you will push it back and you will establish light. But you have got to understand it is your personal responsibility to steward and to fan into flame the deposit the Lord has given you. You know what I love next is what Paul puts out right here. He brings up grandma and mom, right? Or as Shani would say, grandmom and mom. She's Australian. Talk to her. It's fun. But he brings them up. Why? To remind Timothy of his great faith that he comes from? Absolutely. 
to point Timothy to the greater faith that's found in his father, not in the lack thereof of his earthly fathers? Absolutely. But why else does he bring it up? Because here's the deal about your past and about your people. Your parents, they can't fan into flame the gifts that are on the inside of you. Your parents, they can encourage. Your friends, the community around you, they can encourage. They can challenge. They can provoke. But friends, they cannot fan into flame. If great-grandmother Lois and mother Eunice with such great faith couldn't fan into flame the deposit that was already on the inside of Timothy, neither can your community or the people that you come around. So don't start looking to the left and to the right and to your family tree and the people around you. They will do the utmost to spur you on into good works and into faith, absolutely. But you are the only one. It is your personal responsibility to fan into flame the deposit the Lord has given to you. Friends, friends, I love this because you know what else it points to? Oh man, we, we do this all the time. We do. We sing the song in church. And I love the song. Don't get me wrong. The song is great. We sing it all the time. We just want the Lord to fan it into flame for us. So we start singing, set a fire down in my soul, right? That I can't contain, that I can't control, right? We love that song, and I love that song. But guess what? The Lord has already set a fire down in your soul. It's called a coal. It's called a spark. It's called a deposit. And guess what? When the Christian begins to fan into flame the coal or the spark that the Lord has given you, if you could take a spark and turn it into a flame, that flame can scorch an entire earth. That flame can scorch the entire principalities of darkness. That, that flame can scorch a generation and mark them for Christ. That flame can burn down all generational curses in your family tree. It can restore faith to legacies. I'm going to preach to anybody this morning. If you would just get past this, God, would you just do it for me? And he's like, I've already done it all. I put my son on a cross for you. I bled him dry for you. I made a way for you. And then on top of that, I've deposited something on the inside of you that is a specific assignment for you in the earth to go and be unleashed on the kingdom of darkness and establish the kingdom of light. And what did you do with it? Fan it in the flame. Fan it in the flame. Remember the parable of the talents of Jesus? He's like, oh, one master, he gives, he gives this guy one talent. He gives this guy two talents. The other guy, he gives five talents. And what did we do with it? What did we do with the deposit? Maybe some of us got a bigger spark when we first met Jesus. Maybe one of us got more lit on fire than the other one. Maybe it's all depending on where we were at in our lives anyways. Maybe you met Jesus at your highest high, and so like the spark you had kind of felt low. Or maybe you met him at your deepest depths, and so the spark and the fire inside of you felt huge like it did for me at 16. But maybe you got a one-level faith, or you got a five-level faith, or a two-level faith, but the thing is still the same. What did you do with it? Because Jesus says, you know, one guy, he goes guards it, just buries it, just sits it there and doesn't, doesn't do anything with it, just remembers where it's at. So when the master returns, he can go dig it up for him. So you didn't fan it, you just, you kind of planted it, but it ain't, and all right, moving on, you know, that's how I see Jesus, he just, he just kicks people over. Anyways, hey, this is the same guy who went home and made a whip, okay, like, understand me, Jesus likes to mess some things up. And the second guy with the talents, right? The number two, like, he's like, oh, I did, I did, I did something with it. I, I kind of did something with it, right? And so he's like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's, that's, that's all right. You did something with it. And then there's the five guy who's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I had five. Someone invested. I did this. Look what I did for you, Lord. <laughs> Same thing. Same thing. Friends, friends, friends. God has already done it all for you. He has already done it all for you. Friends, he doesn't even owe us another thing. In fact, we owe him another thing. I'm going to preach to anybody this morning. Jesus doesn't owe Matt McClure another thing. What Matt McClure owes him is taking a coal or a spark and turning it into a flame and then living a wildfire kind of life. Amen? You and I, we owe Jesus a good return on his deposit, on his investment. We owe him a wildfire kind of life. Next t-shirt, right? A wildfire kind of life. No, no, no. Light me up, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. 
I want more of you, Jesus. And we're fanning it into flame. We are fanning it into flame because, friends, we have got a personal responsibility to fan the deposit the Lord has placed on the inside of you. It's not God's responsibility. It's not your pastor's responsibility. It's not your friend's responsibility. It is your responsibility. Your faith, it's your responsibility to fan it into flame. Your worship, it's your, it's your responsibility to fan that into flame. Your peace, it's your responsibility to fan that into flame. Your gift, your gift. When will Pastor Matt just notice how gifted I am? Well, probably when you start serving and setting up some chairs and then, and then we start talking about things and we start doing life together, you know, so, so maybe you start fanning into flame the deposit that's placed on the inside of you, not just hoping whimsically that I'd somehow notice that you're gifted in some other area aside from just showing up to church. There's some new people back here who are like this guy, <laughs> far out. <laughs> but we start fanning into flame because friends, here it is. Here it is. It is spiritual malpractice for you to think that anybody else could fan into flame the deposit the Lord has put into you. It is spiritual malpractice, but it is spiritual responsibility. I want you to leave with that word today. Spiritual responsibility. My faith, my responsibility. My soul, my responsibility. My purity, my responsibility. My worship, my responsibility. My prayer life, my responsibility. My relationship with Jesus, my responsibility. Adrienne can't do it for me. Chuck can't do it for me. Topher, as great as he is, can't do it for me. It's my responsibility. And I love this. I love this because Paul says next, he goes, in Timothy, in fact, you know what I want you to do? You know what I want you to do? To fan this into flame? I want you to go and get around some of the elders in your own church, in your own house, where you're top dog. Lower yourself, get some humility about yourself, and I want you to go get people less equipped in the scriptures, less equipped in time with Paul, get some people around you, some elders in your church, and I want you to have them lay hands on you. I would be offended, okay? <laughs> If my big brother, Pastor Lee Cummins, came over here and was like, hey, I want you to get some just regular old Christians to lay hands on you and get you supercharged. Humble yourself, boy. I'd be like, what? Nah. Anyways, um, five people are going to get what that gnaws from. That's great. Anyways, the building was on fire. There you go. Um, but he says this to Timothy because you wonder why? It's not the people who's laying hands on Timothy. It's not their responsibility to fan into flame what's on the inside of Timothy. No, no, no. This is an opportunity for Timothy to fan into flame the deposits put on the inside of him. Because how many of you know it takes some faith? It takes sowing some faith. It takes being obedient. It takes all of these things to follow instruction. Amen. And this is an opportunity in this moment. You're not seeing this when you read it right away. But it's an opportunity for Timothy to again begin to practice and put into exercise what Paul just got done saying to him. And he's like, in fact, why don't you start now? Why don't you fan in the flame by getting some people around you, exercising some humility, putting some faith in what I'm saying for you to do in the soundness of my words is you be obedient to what I'm saying. You put some faith in what I'm saying. You want to grow your faith, Timothy? You put some faith behind those words and you get some people to lay hands on you. Well, they're just common people, Paul. Get them to lay hands on you. This is the word of the Lord. This is what I'm telling you to do. This is what the Holy Spirit is telling me to tell you. Exercise some faith. Sow some faith. Jesus, or Paul says that God loves to give seed to the sower. Know what that means? Know what that implies? You want more faith? You gotta start sowing faith. You want more peace? You gotta start sowing peace. You want more worship? You gotta start sowing worship. You want more prayer life? Start sowing in your prayer life. You want a better relationship with Jesus? Start sowing in your relationship with Jesus. This is exactly what it means. God loves to give more to those who will give it away or use it. 100%. You want more of your gifting to come about or to manifest or to be made prevalent in your life or in your influence or in your church or in your workplace? What are you doing with what he's already given you? You get some people around you, Timothy, and you exercise this. You walk out faith in instruction and in obedience. And you get some people, maybe they're not qualified. Maybe they're bums. Maybe they don't even know, like, the Lord outside of coming to church last week. But you get some people around you, and you get them to lay hands on you. And you listen to me, and you start sowing and spurring on yourself in faith. I love it.
So what does Paul say next? He says, stand in the flame. This is your responsibility. You want to know why? Because you're going to suffer. You know, Paul, I was with you, and then all of a sudden you were like suffering. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, you got to fan in the flame. Go after the things of God. Like Pastor Matt, I was with you this whole time. And then Paul goes, you're going to suffer. Well, why? <gasps> what did I do? I'm just trying to pastor a church. I'm just trying to live for Jesus. I'm just trying to remain sexually pure in 2022. It's the hardest thing ever. Like, I'm just trying to, you know, I'm just trying to be holy. Yeah, you're going to suffer. Because Jesus suffered. And because you're a Christian. And Christian means Christ. And Christ means Messiah. And Christian means little Christ and little Messiah. And if the Messiah was always going to be crucified, you will be crucified. You will be suffering because he suffered. And because of that, because of how much they hated Jesus, they're certainly going to hate you. And he was perfect and you're not. They're going to hate you all the more. This is what the Bible tells us. And Paul lays this all out. He's like, but here's the perfect and finished work of Jesus on the cross. You're going to suffer for a little while. It's going to be hard. But even in the midst of your suffering, even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of the world going dark, it's still your personal responsibility to fan into flame the deposit the Lord has placed on the inside of you. Can I tell you, culture 2022, it's not a get out of fanning into flame free card. We don't just get to sit on our thumbs, okay? We don't just get to sit here and go, well, I'm just going to come chill in a pew because we got some pews now. Who loves the pews, by the way? How cool are those? Come on. Thank you, South Christian High School. Anyways, uh, they dropped them off from a footloose play, I believe. So, you know, which is great. Which, okay, subject for another time. Why was that in a Christian school? Anyways, um, anyways, uh, Kenny Loggins, praise God. So, um, and every man in here wants to be Kevin Bacon, do we not? Come on. What? Have you seen footloose? Anyways. Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, anyways, Kevin Bacon rules. Tremors is a great movie. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. He says you're going to suffer for Christ. That's part of it. But no matter how much, per how persecuted you get, how dark it gets, no matter whether your, your political person is in office or not, whether there's wars or just rumors of wars, no matter what is going on in the earth, whether it's inflation or deflation, no matter what is going on in the world, you, Christian, you, Jesus person, you, you have the personal responsibility to still fan this into flame. But wait, there's more. I love this part. Because then Paul goes on to say the best news in this entire piece of scripture. He says, listen, 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 listen. Not only did God already do everything on the cross with Jesus, and then not only did he choose to give you an assignment in the earth, you actually have something to do. You have a participation to play. You have a role to fulfill in the great drama of the universe. You got a plan here. You have a part to play. Whether you feel it's big or small, it is massive in the kingdom of heaven. Understand that. You are here to shrink darkness and grow the light but guess what you're not i'm not just gonna leave you on your own guess what guess what guess what jesus did he gave you a spirit he gave you the holy spirit he gave you his spirit and i love it because it says that god gave you a spirit not of arrogance not of shyness not of fear not of failure not of your ancestors, not of your pornography addiction, not of your holdbacks, not of your most latest breakdown. No, no, no. God didn't give you a spirit of anything fallen. He didn't give you a spirit of fear. And somebody say, but. It's a huge but, amen? It's a huge but. God gave you a huge but. And uh, Adrian told me I had two jokes limit today. And uh, I might have exceeded that, but that was the right one. God gave you a huge butt, and that butt is this. But he gave you a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind or self-control, depending on how. We're going to talk about both of those. Don't worry, I know we're, we're going a bit over. But, you know, starting Easter Sunday, just so you know, 10 a.m. going forward, okay? Because then we're just going to party for the Lord for two hours straight and lose our mind, okay? Starting Easter Sunday, 10 a.m. going forward. Just made the call right now. Anyways. So, 
you can show up at 10.30, but you'll miss like the second main event, which is worship. So you'll, you'll miss that whole part. But um, here's the deal. God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Can I tell you why the Apostle Paul points out these parts of the Holy Spirit? There's many attributes to the Holy Spirit. This is not, we're not just limited to these, but there's more. But the reason Paul points these out and says, God, God didn't have to do another thing for you, but to ensure that he gets a good return on his deposit. Because how many of you know, God never puts a deposit in that he doesn't plan on getting a return on. Amen. So he gave you an assignment. He wants to see a return on it. He gave you a deposit. He wants to see a return on it. He gave you a spark. He wants to see a wildfire kind of life. Amen. And so here's the deal. What stops somebody more times than not than fanning into flame the gift that was put on the inside of them? Fear. Fear. Fear has killed more Christians than anything else. Why? Because fear is nothing but counterfeit faith. Fear is nothing but putting faith in the things that are not of God. Fear is something that is oncoming and not what's on the inside of you. Fear is a plague. And here's the deal. We will sit here and we will go, man, I feel like God's calling me to do this. And you got that spark. And he's like, man, you're, you're called to be a pastor or you're, or you're called to be a teacher or you're called to go into the mission field or you're, or you're called to, uh, like, like my man over here, be a pastor's pastor, like, or you're called to work in a trucking industry for the Lord with J&J and there's a cross in the logo and everything. Like you're called into specific fields or you're called to be a motorcycle mechanic and you start having all of these things put on the inside of you and it's like, wait a minute, like, but what happens if I actually step out? Second, we have that conversation. Fear is just coming in. But what, what does it look like if I actually begin to, to fan this thing into flame? Like depending on how big a swing I take, how big a step it is, we start to go, what happens if I fall? What if this is a massive failure? What if I get out there and I go to take the biggest swing and I am embarrassed? What if I feel called to be a professional athlete, but, but I get out there and I choke? What, what if I'm called to be a Christian and I'm called to be in the, in the media and in the movies and on the TV, but I get out to LA and I start to, I start to get into the wrong places of life. Like, what, what do I do with this? And we start having the, all these what if conversations and what if begins to trump what God said. What if begins to trump what God says? And here's what happens. Faith begins to poach what God has given power to. Faith begins, or fear begins to poach what God has given power to. He says, no, 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 no. Here's the deal. Personal responsibility, spiritual responsibility. Are you ready for some more spiritual responsibility? It is your spiritual responsibility to recognize when fear is trying to come in to a place that God has already given power to. It is your spiritual responsibility to recognize, no, these thoughts are not my own. This fear is not mine. These thoughts think they have me, but they don't have me because I have power. It's our spiritual responsibility to see these things coming in and going, no, fear is coming on me, but power is resting within me. I am not of fear, I am of power. I am not of fear, I am of power. Friends, what are you of? Power. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but he gave you a spirit of power. What happens if I begin to step out? It doesn't matter, God gave you power. What if I fail? God still gave you power. Is it by your ability you expect to succeed in the things that God's called you to do or by his spirit? See, that's the deal. Fear will poach what God has given power to. If we fail to recognize, he gave me his Holy Spirit and with his Holy Spirit comes power. Worship crew, you can make your way up here as we get ready to land this bird, so to speak. I'm Pentecostal, so I have 18 closes. And uh, we'll be here until Thursday. So. He's like, Timothy, God's giving you power. It's, a, it's, it's, it's entirely possible that Timothy didn't know all that God had placed on his life and within his life until this moment. He could have been leading the whole church in Ephesus on a half tank or quarter tank probably a quarter of a quarter tank if it was 2022, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got $5, Lord, make it go. Uh, them fumes, bro. <laughs> but 
but it's very possible until this moment, Timothy didn't realize the power that God had placed on his life. And it's very possible that if Paul did not intercede in this moment, Timothy would allow fear to still poach on what God has given power to. And then, and then Paul says something that kind of trips me up. He goes, no, 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 you gotta understand. You gotta understand. It's not just of power, but it's of love. It's of love. And as I start to think about that, can I just tell you, when you begin to step out into what God has for you, you find out real quick who loves you and who doesn't. Let me say that one more time because I want you to be equipped for every good work. You might be angry at me in the gym, but you're gonna be prepared for the fight, amen? Okay, you might be blessed in the presence of God, but you're gonna be equipped for every good work out there, amen? I might ruffle your feathers on a Sunday, but let me tell you, you're gonna step out into your workplace and know how to dominate for the Lord, amen? Come on, this is a tank, not a yacht, get ready. And so he says, love, because you will find out real quick when you step out into all the things that God has for you, who loves you and who doesn't. And know what? You'll also step out into what God has for you and you'll find out what you actually love and what you actually don't. <laughs> There's some ladies who are in the place are gonna step out into what the Lord has for them and all of a sudden boys are gonna flee. Okay, that ain't worth your time. There's some men in the place that are gonna step out into what God has for you and suddenly it's gonna change entirely what you wanted in a spouse. Amen. There are some people in this place that you're gonna step out into the things of God. And let me tell you this, if you do not steward, again, this is your spiritual and personal responsibility. If you do not steward, as in manage well, that's what the word means, manage well. If you do not sow in, if you do not spur onto flame, if you not, do not fan into flame, your first relationship with God, the love of God, That'll be the first part of love that goes. God give you a spirit of love. And let me tell you, it is your spiritual responsibility to fan your relationship with the Lord into flames. You wanna know why? Because when you step out into all the things that God has for you and fear starts coming at you and all these other things start coming at you and suddenly there's all the pressure for a business or a building or a relationship or a marriage or kids or whatever it may be and there's all these things, maybe mentally instability or depression or whatever is in your family line. Like start, start things start coming on, sickness comes to your home. Friends, it gets very easy out there when you step out into all the things that God has for you to mistake the praise of man as a love for God hear me today it is very easy when you are out there fanning into flame what the Lord has placed on your life to mistake the praises of man for the love of God and you want to know why that is this is where so much of deconstruction comes from it's because you stepped out into things that God had for you and you started just loving and living and breathing on the praise of man but you stopped stewarding your relationship with God they all love me. Me and God must be good. What? They killed Jesus and he and God were the best. Praises of man, the love of man, doesn't mean that your relationship and your love of God is in a great place. He loves you emphatically and we will get lost just loving him practically. Am I preaching? So God gave you a spirit of love. And that first and foremost, that love is meant to be spurred on and fanned into a flame between you and your heavenly Father. And then he says, my favorite one, because I love power and I love love, but what I feel our generation is lacking the most right now is self-control and a sound mind. Self-control and a sound mind. Friends, can I just tell you this? As somebody who has stepped out into what God has called me to do, you will never have a more irrational season in your life than when you step out into what God has called you to do. I'm telling you, this I've, I've had the most irrational thoughts since planting a church from I'm gonna be the next Billy Graham, the preacher to the presidents, to suicidal thoughts in the back of a UPS trailer when we first got started. And everywhere in between. That's why Paul says, Timothy, you got to keep sound. You got to have some self-control. You got to recognize and you got to take those thoughts captive. Those thoughts, they think they have you. And you don't have those thoughts. You have self-control. 
recognize the lie and exercise self-control. Keep soundness of mind because friends, can I just tell you, if you are not committed to the soundness of the spirit, there is no prophet, there is no priest, there is no preacher, there is no evangelist, there is no healer, and there is no worship leader that can, that can bring you back to a place of soundness if you are not committed to having a spirit of soundness. Nobody can restore you there. Nobody can bring that back to you if you are committed to not having a spirit of soundness. I don't know if I believe that. No, sound doctrine. Well, I don't know if healing's for today. No, sound, sound doctrine. I don't know if God can really do this. Sound doctrine. If God said it, we believe it. If it's in his word, we receive it. We're gonna believe it. It settles it. Friends, you actually have to have some self-control in your faith. You want me to tell you why? Jesus Christ went to the cross. John 3, 16, we all know it, right? Like, God gave his only one and only son so that anyone who would call him Lord and Savior, right, shall be saved. We all get that. It's on every bumper sticker in West Michigan. If we all believed that bumper sticker, we, West Michigan would be an entirely different place called New Jerusalem. It would be amazing. But he says this, Lord and Savior. He calls himself King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And yet, Jesus gives us a spirit of self-control. Does that compute for anybody else? Because that makes my head spin. I'm going, wait, 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 you're supposed to be Lord. Yeah, but you're supposed to have self-control. No, no, you're supposed to be King. Yeah, but you're supposed to have self-control. Yeah, but you're supposed to be my savior. Yeah, I'd have a lot, I'd have more energy saving other people than saving you if you just had some self-control. And it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus wants to be Lord of ourselves and wants us to have self-control over ourselves. He wants to have control over our self-control. Imagine what you could accomplish in your life, what would fall off your life, what you could leave behind in this life if you allow Jesus to be in control of your self-control. Would you guys stand? I know I said fan it and guard it, um, but we're just having a good old hallelujah hoedown in the church, and uh, I believe the Lord's moving, so what we're going to do is this. Paul says you got to guard this. Once you fanned it into flame, you got to now protect that flame. You got to fight for that flame. You got to contend for that flame. But let me tell you this. So often, we think of protection as retreat. Protection isn't retreating. Protection is advancing. Want to know why? You would never have to retreat from a fight if you are more equipped going into battle. Amen. Can I just tell you this morning some good news? You are more equipped than the devil. You are more equipped than the powers of darkness. You are more equipped than divorce. You are more equipped than pornography. You are more equipped than sexual addiction. You are more equipped than our culture. You are more equipped than Twitter. You are more equipped than politicians. You are more equipped. But you got to guard that. And how many of you know the best offense or the best defense is a good offense, right? All the fighters in the back are looking at me like you're an idiot. I learned everything I know from Cobra Kai. Miyagi-Do, Eagle Fang, okay? But the bottom line is this. What's a good offense without a good defense? Here's the deal, friends. If we're going to guard this thing, it's not by defense alone, and it's not by offense alone. It is by any means necessary short of sin. Paul says we will abstain from sin to the point of blood. Friends, I want to tell our church today, what God has placed on the inside of you, it is your personal and your spiritual responsibility to contend for. And once you have received it, once you have fanned it in the flame, you got to fight like heaven to protect it. Because when you step out, the enemy gets mad. He ain't bothered by uninitiated Christians. He's, he's, he's bothered by some busy Christians. 
And if you're gonna be a problem for the kingdom of darkness, you've gotta be simultaneously on defense and on offense. And that's called walking in the spirit of God. So what we're gonna do is this. The worship team is gonna start singing, So Will I. Anybody else love that song? So Will I, come on. Well, they're gonna start singing it. And as they start singing, I wanna invite our core team up here. And here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have our core team, which is uh, our staff and our leaders here who are amazing. Um, And this is what we're gonna do. Uh, We're gonna be like Timothy. And we're gonna get some people to lay hands on us. And we're gonna spark Jesus. We're gonna spark Jesus in that deposit, amen. We're gonna start to fan it into flame. No, you guys can come up here, line up, line up right here, right? Come on, it ain't three o'clock yet, Matt's not done. Come on up here. Here's the deal, here's what I want you to do. If you know what God's placed on the inside of you, I want you to get prayer over that right now. I want you to get impartation over that. I want you to get that sparked up, lit up on the inside of you. I want you to leave here so fortified, so built up, so full of faith this morning that you are gonna walk out these doors and you are gonna get in the game. And if you don't know what the Lord has placed on the inside of you, you don't know what the bigger role for you in the drama of the universe is, maybe you don't have a clue. Well, this is a moment where we were believing we're gonna receive a word of knowledge from heaven where God just lays that deposit so plainly in front of you. And if God gives you a word, then I want you to be just like the Old Testament prophets. I want you to write that down and make the vision plain. You put that in front of you. You're praying over people. So here we go. Pretty much I think it's probably gonna be everybody. And I wanna encourage you to do this because I believe that God can start something today. He can sustain something today. He can breathe on something today. And you and lives that proceed from you will be forever changed by one moment today. And guess what, friends? I actually believe this. So even if you just wanna humor the guy in the green shirt, let's pray and let's believe for the same God who hung the stars, who spoke creation into life, to speak into flame, the spark that is on the inside of you. And let's see Jesus begin to rule and reign our lives so Jesus can rule and reign from our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, let's go. Trees break